you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, you guys. So happy to have you today. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. So glad we could share this episode on Christmas Eve. And I'm so grateful we get to layer in our research and Enneagram work with our our centered spirituality and faith today and allowing ourselves to, to learn about the efficacy of prayer in marriage studies I think this episode is going to blow you away in terms of sometimes these things we forget when we're balancing all of our emotional and physical and our intimate and other types of work we're doing here. And then we come into this place of, oh my goodness, the spiritual part matters so much to deepening our faith walk and also deepening our marriage together. So that is why we're doing today's episode. Also, I wanted to play it near Christmas so that we could really allow ourselves after Advent and the season of darkness to come back to hope. I know that some of you are just like, you know, really grieving. Of course, I share in that grief too. There's a lot of losses in my life around Christmas. And maybe like me, for you, there's also a lot of joys where you really allow God's joy to shine through you and you just enjoy seeing all of the lights and watching your favorite movies. We, I think, have traversed through almost all of the best, except for Christmas Story. I don't think we've watched that one yet. But this year and always, I hope you're embracing that joy. But also, like I said, many of my clients have been going through a lot of seasons of depth. And with this week, somebody also said to me, You mean there's other people walking through this? And I know Wes on one of our walk and talks this week uh, just started to really cry with me because he's had a lot of losses, people dying. Um, He works with the elderly here in Florida. He has patients that are 90 and up and he's just like, I've been signing a lot of condolence cards lately. It's just been a lot of really, really hard cases of people who don't have anybody. Um, And so it's something to remember that... Through life, we have a lot of need for faith. We have a lot of need for spaces of, uh, you know, the metaphysical, you know, and that's an important space that we don't always get to delve in in our Christmas movies or our favorite books. I know Jack and I, as I mentioned, just finished the Percy Jackson series and right away they're like, you mean there's such a thing as God? Because it's all about, you know, uh, the, the metaphysical in a way, but uh, actually, the author Rick Riordan right away says, absolutely not. It's, you know, not dealing in the metaphysical. We're going to leave that to other conversations. So we're bringing that one right here. And yes, I know they have a new Amazon Prime series with that because we just, or I think it was Disney Plus. We just had a lot of fun watching the first two episodes. They were so good, perfectly timed as we finished the five books. I think they're going five whole seasons, but, but that doesn't, you know, these fun movies, they don't address the deep longings of the heart the way that we're going to get to do with Scott Kadersha today, pastor at a marriage pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church. He's been working 
worked with couples for over 17 years. He has his hand in all this premarital work, plus him and his wife, Kristen, she's a nine, have raised four boys and they're just ministering, serving. And he's like, so practical, like, let's get you guys shored up so you can have healthier spiritual lives together in ways that he didn't always have. And he's like, have what I did not have, because statistically and realistically, you are so much better when you do allow that deeper layer of work in your life and surrender to God and finding hope with a capital H during really hard seasons and and bearing this together and holding it with one another is so much better than just holding the joy and the fun. So let's also today hold the depths. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to hold the depths with your spouse as you listen to Scott today on the pod, because he has a lot to share about that. And it challenged me. We recorded this over a month ago and I was just, wow, I was just thinking about it for a long time and trying to, uh, you know, inch my way over to Wes. I appreciate one more thing I'll share before Scott jumps on is his liturgical approach too. Uh, not in the sense that it's, you know, approaching any kinds of uh, faith stories that are dry or boring, but just in the sense of like, there's a written word for us to share as a body of Christ together. And I appreciate that. I like praying with the other people out there doing their work. I like knowing that uh, there's a grounded space for my prayers and a beginning and an end, because as a head type, I can fly all over. And in many times of my life, prayer has, instead of being a soothing space, like many of you, it's almost invited in more sorrow or more doubt or more uh, anxiety as I bring things in that I don't normally think about. So, ah. I love his book. I've really enjoyed it. And I love more than ever that when we bring this into our marriages and we're vulnerable and honest and raw with each other, this real life approach is really good and healthy. But don't do it all the time. Don't overwhelm your spouse, especially if you have a spouse who does not want to share in your prayer life and definitely don't manipulate through prayer. So I'm asking all these questions today and a whole lot more. So can't wait to jump in with Scott. Thank you for being here. And don't forget to check out the Jesus Calling podcast. I'm excited to be on that this week. And they sent me a script and all the advertising I'm supposed to do. So make sure you are checking out that episode and finding it, telling your friends about it. And hopefully we'll spread the Enneagram word there too. That's going to be December 28th. So let's talk to Scott now. Scott, thank you so much for sharing this conversation with us today and just being here with us to talk about such an important topic, your new book and all of uh, the marriage tips we can get from you. Well, it's so good to be here. Grateful for our friendship and that we get to encourage each other, help each other and help people grow in their marriage and their relationship with Jesus. Yes, it's so yes. cool. And I'm so grateful that we got to share our books at the same time. And I've been talking about you. People may have seen us on the live together, but your book is just flying out there. It was flying off the shelves and Amazon ran out of copies, right? They did. They ran out on the like by 4.30 on the day it came out, which is great. It's amazing. <laughs> and it also took them a couple of weeks to get more in stock. So it 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 made a made a splash and then and they didn't have any for a while. Yeah. But it's so fun. I I'd rather have them sell out than not have any just sit in the back. So yeah, truly grateful. Yeah. And now we know how much people are desperate for good marriage care. So thank you. Tell us about yourself and what you're doing, a little bit about your types. Yes. Yeah, so I am uh, I'm married to Kristen. Kristen and I have been married since 2001. Um 
And uh, we've got four boys who are twins who are 19, a 17-year-old, and a 15-year-old, almost 17-year-old and 15-year-old. So two in college, two in high school, and uh, really love love our family, really loud. We have a lot of broken bones. We just had another one this week. Uh, many have happened at church events and yeah. sports and everywhere under the sun. So we, you know, as you can imagine with four boys, there yes. are always there's always a lot of activity. <laughs> And uh, we met, Kristen was actually one of my teachers. And so I went to grad school for physical therapy and wow. she was one of my instructors. Oh, wow. And it's not scandalous. I kind of <laughs> wish it was because I had a massive crush on her from the beginning. And she was not interested. It took her a while to get wow. with it. And uh, and so we met um, probably four years, four years before we actually got married. Okay. And uh, let's see, types, I am a three. Yeah. Thought I was a two for a long time, then thought I was a four. Mm-hmm. Two, because I, I, as a pastor, care for people. Four, because I'm highly emotional. Nobody understands me. Yeah. And then finally, <laughs> finally realized I am a three mm-hmm. who wings both ways, two, a two, and a four. And I just love to get stuff done and love to achieve. And there's no question on, on my on my threeness. And then Kristen is a nine who mm. probably wings a little bit more one, uh, but definitely has some eight in her as well. Mm, wow. So excellent teacher, uh, you know, and you here doing all this pastoral work and care with the energy to raise four boys, to write books and to be doing work at a huge church. I can see that three, but also, like you said, there are the four pieces where you relate with, I think you relate really well in your book with your audience You can go down to the depths with us and be honest, which is really great mm-hmm. uh, work as a three and, a, and that four. And then the two, of course, you're doing a lot of premarital and I feel like you just have a huge heart for love. Wow. That's kind of, yeah. I, I mean, I do love people and uh, I really do. And I'm, I'm thankful for what I get to do. I've been a marriage pastor for, you know, 17, 18 years. And, you know, nobody grows up wanting to be a marriage pastor, but I just kind of fell into it by almost by accident. And um, and it forces me to work on our marriage. If I'm going to lead with integrity, then I want to have a great marriage. And so I'm really thankful just for that, that, you know, constant encouragement to work really hard on our marriage so that we can lead others well. And, and Kristen, she really is like, an, I know this is not just, lifting her up for the sake of it. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing spouse and selfless and caring. And, you know, the, the nine in her uh, sometimes drives me crazy. Like I know I drive her crazy at times, but she really is an incredible wife. And I'm so thankful for what we get to do together in the and then raising our boys. And we just have a lot of fun together as well. Even though there's no seven in us, we still we still have a lot of fun. You have a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, you're both close to the culture. There's a lot of wit rolling around in a three nine marriage. I bet if we were a fly on the wall. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and definitely with the boys, they they bring some of that out as well. And um, and they're all different types too. We've got one who's a six, one who's a seven. He's like a seven wing seven. Oh my. Um, God. One who's a three, and then the other one we're not really sure yet. And. That, and I, I love seeing how some of that just continues to change and develop over time, but but they definitely are all very differently wired as well. 
Oh, that's so cool. I love to have that myriad across your family. So many different inner working gifts together. And you mentioned that as a three and a nine, you guys tend to do well in ministry together, which I think is neat. Um, And I don't think every couple can do that, but I do sense with your pairing that when you're working rhythm, um, I feel like there are some through lines that you guys can actually execute efficiently together, understand each other, not get too idealistic, stay pretty practical. Is that what it feels like when you're at your best? Yeah, I'd say for sure. We're neither of us are um we're not super deep thinkers, either of us, you know, and so we do try to make it super practical, biblical. We're not gonna get in a, a like a giant theological debate with anyone. Yeah, I can, but that's not. My wiring, that what I love, and Chris, definitely not Christians. And so, yeah. um, I think we have a realistic picture of who people are, how to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are challenges at times. You know, I'd say that our challenges probably come out more in parenting. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm a little more, slash, probably a lot more black and white with the kids on discipline. Yeah. She is truly a peacekeeper who's going to keep the calm in the home and not rock the boat. I'm not afraid to rock the boat. And so we've had some differences. Over the years, I'd say that's probably where our biggest challenges come in in parenting and disciplining our kids over the years. Mm-hmm. Now that they're older, it's it's definitely chilled out for both of us. <laughs> but there were times when I, I, we, you know, we really probably frustrated each other, and you know, really more in the parenting than anything else. Oh, that makes so much sense because I know most people would say, "Yes, my three is more." harsh when they're not at their best. They're going to just be like, I feel like threes are really good at helping kids to become adults. Like that's how I've always seen threes as parents. And then yet nines are so gifted at, uh, you know, just being with and understanding. So it's wonderful when we can make it in marriage, no judgment to those who can't, but when you can, what a gift to have both so that the kids are finding something in the middle of those two more extremes. Man, I'm like, where were you? 10 years ago yeah. when I needed that, because that's exactly yeah. right. Like, Hey, these kids can't stay as yeah. seven year olds forever. We got to prepare them ready for the world, you know, and especially as they get older and Kristen just gets them and understands mm-hmm. them and sees them in such an amazing way. Yeah. And so I, and at our best, it was a really healthy thing for our kids, but there were definitely yeah. some times when <laughs> we just came at it from, from different angles, 100% different angles. Right. Thank you for just being honest. You are deep in that way where you're like, we're honest, authentic. And that's what I got as I've been reading both of your books uh, that I've read and you even have more. But uh, what I really was thinking about is I, I was hoping not just newlywed couples would be listening today. I think we have audiences of all ages and stages of marriage, but I feel uh, as though uh, you are particularly gifted with showing people what could be ahead and uh, also grounding us with prayer. So we're going to talk about all of it, but tell us a little bit about your books. I would love for people to get to hear about the 12 conversations, also the 100 prayers. Uh, there's so much we can learn from you. Well, that's so, so kind. Thank you, Krista. I, I um, started doing marriage ministry in 2006 and couldn't find a great resource for a biblical, practical, authentic resource for couples who were getting married. And I started to work with a lot of married or couples who were seriously dating and engaged, newlyweds. And uh, and there were good books for couples who were married, good, good books on communication and really every topic. I couldn't find anything that I loved for pre-married. And so 
over the years kept asking people to write it and nobody wanted to do it. And so finally decided to try it myself <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, which really just meant, let me blog, let me see if I can figure out if I even love write. And I discovered I really loved writing and, uh, and over time quickly realized I wanted to write a book to help couples really prepare well for marriage. And there are books out there, but they might be really practical. They might be really biblical, but lack authenticity. And then there are other books that are real and practical, but there's no Bible in them. And so finally said, I want to write something that's going to do all three of these things. And so wrote the book Ready or Not, and it's K-N-O-T as in tie the knot, and 12 conversations for every couple to have before marriage. Mm. And so really thinking through what what are all the conversations that I wish I had had that somebody had sat down with me and said, you need to really think through What's your view on marriage? You know, communication and conflict, money, sex, in-laws. What do you want in the future when it comes to kids? Uh, how about emotional intimacy and physical intimacy? And really trying to attack every one of those topics by telling the story of a real-life couple and then um, and being really biblical, authentic, practical in the counsel that I would try to give to help them prepare well for marriage. And, you know, and then really just saying, here are the questions that you should ask each other mm. so that you are, you know, you're, you're going to never can fully prepare until you're actually married in, in real life. But at least helping couples think through maybe these are the things that are the way that I phrased it was, you know, when you read this book, it should make things either really clear that it's time to end the relationship, like a red light. You need to stop. You need to end the relationship, move in different directions. Maybe it's a green light where it's like really clear this is the right person. I'm ready. She's ready. We're ready together as a couple. Or maybe it's a a little bit of a yellow light where you slow down, you hit pause. We got to figure some things out before Mm. we continue on in this relationship. And so hopefully when when a couple reads a book, it's abundantly clear what the best next step is for the relationship of stop, go, hit pause. And so, so those are the 12 conversations came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then recently in um, in October, so in about a month ago, October of 23, second book came out and it's a hundred prayers for couples who are seriously dating and engaged. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I watched over time so many married couples. Married is how, how many years married are you, Krista? I think you're. We you're are 18? about 22. We're the same oh. year as you guys. Yes, that's right. Sorry, I just tried to pull four years away from you. Yeah. <laughs> I need um, those four. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're the same. We just we just got to 22 and uh awesome. um and I watch married couples not pray together. They just, you know, really never develop that pattern and that habit. Mm-hmm. And and I said, what would what if we actually could help couples learn to pray together from the beginning of their marriage? And research shows that couples who pray together consistently, the divorce rate is ridiculously low, like well less than 1%. And so if we can help couples develop that pattern, it's a lot easier to start a pattern and a habit from the beginning instead of trying to inject it in your relationship after you're married for years or decades. And so helping couples establish the pattern of praying from the beginning of their relationship. Oh my gosh. What a gift for those couples. Thank you so much because you're doing preventative work. So if anyone's out there like, well, we're already married, be thinking about the newlywed couples in this way in your life. Be thinking about those of your kids that are going to grow up and need something like this. Because I mean, obviously the intimacy we're building when we're learning how to have these 
difficult conversations from your first book and the second book, just being able to pray together with help from a script. I think that is so good for people like me and others who are, you know, just in seasons where they're like, this might feel awkward or it's difficult to be emotionally vulnerable. And I know you've talked to me before about how in your marriage, there were seasons also that was like, this feels awkward. So it gave you guys a lens too, right? It did. It absolutely did. And it's one of those things where I would tell people as a marriage pastor and encourage them of the importance of praying. And I felt like Kennedy just felt like such a hypocrite at times that, you know, I would, I, I teach it. And even in my mind as I'm teaching, and I'm like, man, I'm telling you something that mm-hmm. that I do believe, but I'm just not practicing in my own life. Mm-hmm. And so it really convicted us. Uh, and, you know, primarily me more than anything. Kristen has been wanting me to lead well in this area for for a long time. And, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm a good husband and, yeah. you know, in almost every other way, I, th- I hope I'm a great husband. This is one area where I wish we could have done things differently. And, and, and I take ownership for not leading that well and not initiating that more in in my own marriage. And it, mm-hmm. it wasn't always awkward. Like I know for some couples, it's really awkward. I, I would say, yeah, it just wasn't a priority because yeah. either I didn't believe in the power of prayer. We have everything we need. Like we've got good kids and a great church and, you know, and I don't, and I, a house that keeps us warm, food on the table, cars that drive. And so there's like a lack of dependence on God. Yeah. Um, there's a lack of prioritization that that at times I'm like, I know this is important, but everything else feels like it's more important. Mm. And so really convicted as, as we process through all of that, you know, and ultimately I do believe it's because there was a lack of dependence on God yeah. and even not even believing how, how important prayer is. Yeah. For our individual relationships mm-hmm. with Jesus and that and then what I believe God wants to do in us as a couple. Yes, your mission. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so uplifting for everybody to remember. And I actually recommended your book to a couple I was working with uh that was already married who just wanted to develop a prayer life together. So I want to remind people of that too. I liked it personally too. And it's caused me to start praying more with Wes, which really was convicting for me because I pray all the time with my clients, staff, with Wes right. and the kids. But just to set down again and go back to the early days of marriage where we would pray regularly has been a gift. And then I also, of course, did my research nerding out on like University of Georgia studies, just echoing your words about like what prayer can do. And I knew, as I told you from my own studies as an undergrad, how much prayer changes therapy. So how much more does prayer change a marriage? So thank you for bringing us. Honestly, this is why I love the three, nine marriage. You guys bring us to groundedness. Uh, And that's, we can be up here, ideally like moving ahead. And you're like, come back to the baseline. That's right. Here are the prayers. You've been spelled them out for us. And I even heard you say, um, and maybe you can speak about this, that the uh the levels people of money the the money they're putting into weddings is so much more than they're putting into marriage sometimes right is this one of the trends you're noticing oh absolutely i think it's been this way for a long time where we focus much more on the wedding day than on the marriage mm. and you know and that the wedding day is the show it's the big event and and i hope it is a big event like if you've got the resources and family supports it throw a great party. Like there's no, I can't say how much you should or should not spend on a wedding because there's no biblical amount that's listed. Right. But I think we do place way too much of a premium on 
throwing a great party and not actually preparing for marriage or, you know, or preparing for day one of, of the marriage. And so uh, while I do think it's great to have a great wedding day, I'm always encouraging couples, make sure that you are doing some hard work beforehand, that you are, you know, you do premarital counseling, you do a class, you read books, you listen to podcasts, you are pursuing Jesus individual, individually, you have people speaking into your life and in your relationship, and you're doing everything you can to prepare well, not just for a great singular day on the calendar, but for the rest of your life together as a, as a married couple. Mm. And that, you know, as, as we pray and as we prepare, we're not just focused on the wedding day. We want to do all we can to set our lives up for success as a married couple. So when, that means we're not going to isolate. We're going to have community. We're going to seek wise counsel from, I just heard somebody say this before earlier today. It's good to have somebody who is in front of us who we're following after. We've got friends on our side who can help encourage us and challenge us. And then as we get older and more mature, we have some people behind us who are learning from us. And so just the importance of having really good community, you know, in front, beside, behind us as we grow in our own marriage and pursue Jesus together. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love that. And that reminds me of like Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beside me. We need God all over God's community in this case, grounding us. And I like how you are spelling that out in both of these books that they need uh, certain things in place versus yes, the wedding's important. I know you said you love going to weddings, but it's like sure, yeah. more importantly, what are you going to do after? I see a lot of couples where the the groom is more particularly burnt out on you know maybe some of the ways that the woman has rushed in, and I can remember feeling that as a woman like wanting to plan everything. So I'm sure everyone listening can relate to. Um, what would yeah. you say are the biggest issues the couples nowadays are coming to you with? Because you've been doing this for 17 years now plus. Yes. I mean, and it's candidly, it's the same stuff since mm. the beginning that I started. It's that we don't know how to resolve, manage, you know, resolve conflict, manage conflict. We're prideful. We don't know how to apologize. We don't know how to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. And so just being humble enough to own our stuff. Uh, it's, it's problems with, you know, with, one, I wish that every couple would really understand the significance of this before they get married is so many couples are coming into marriage either sexually active or they're looking at porn individually um, or together. And that's not just guys, that's men and women are looking at porn. Mm-hmm. They might not be having you know sexual intercourse, but they're doing everything else under the sun. Yeah. They're living together. They're spending nights together. And all of that just causes so much damage because it it leads us to place a higher premium on the physical enjoyment of of things that God does not intend for couples before they get married. And so it almost blinds us to the reality of the relationship because we so pursue the the pleasure and the, and the, um, yeah, the joy and, and, Mm. and it is fun. And so couples like keep doing the things that maybe they shouldn't be doing or definitely shouldn't be doing. Mm. And so really blinds them to the reality of the relationship. And so I I was, you know, I wish couples would, would really see what God's word says and would trust God in this of, you know, God's not trying to rip us off. He's not trying to keep something good Mm. from us. Can we trust that his design is best? Mm. You know, and that doesn't, if you choose to pursue each other with purity before you get married, that doesn't mean God's going to give you an amazing sex life after you say, I do. 
but it does it does build trust and and i just want couples to trust the lord Mm. Uh, uh, you know and the other is the i mean there's plenty more but just dealing with sin struggles I, i think there's like a level of this will go away when i get married and so, you know, I'm only looking at porn now because I'm not having sex. And so when I get married, I'm going to stop looking at porn. Uh, I'm going to stop drinking or over drinking. I'm going to stop being a consumer and be, you know, addicted to spending money or addicted to overeating. Mm-hmm. And that my problems are going to go away after I get married. And I, I just always encourage couples like deal with your stuff now yeah. because getting married doesn't magically fix our sin problem. And so always being people who are willing to work, work hard on areas where we fall short and, you know, and then opening up our lives up to the input of others as well, just to, to community to speak in and encourage us and challenge us. Mm, that's very powerful to remember that it's community, but also doing our own hard work to say, right. if I want something good, I have to put investment in. Also, you said we can struggle with leaning on God and more towards pleasures. I, I hear right. that as a big theme and I, it makes so much sense with the way our culture is. And like you said, has always been to some degree. So just really understanding, obviously marriage isn't going to fix everything. You're still going to be you <laughs> after you sign your, yes. your papers and say, I do and have your honeymoon if you're blessed to have one. Um, but I love that because we've talked a lot about purity culture here that we really see that God's not trying to keep anything from us, right. but that we also want to acknowledge that people come in with a lot of issues. And so we're not shaming, but we're just reminding you do your work because it will so eat beautiful. you alive if you don't, uh, or if you think, uh, you know, I can't say anything because it's too uncomfortable. It will probably just fester in shame. So thank you for being brave right. to tell people about that and sharing some of your stories inside of the book to let people know you're not alone if you've struggled, which I love. That's right. That's right. I'm so glad you brought up the the shaming and, and purity culture, just some of the downsides of, of that whole movement. And look, God, God loves us, right? Yeah. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you know, Romans 8, 1. And God, God still chose to send Jesus for us, knowing what we would do and what we have done. And there's no mm-hmm. secrets and surprises. And so he still loves us no matter what we do, which is mind blowing that he could do that. And it's a, yeah, it's it's so uh, I never ever ever want to get over that. Mm. Um, but but at the same time, just what does it look like to trust God that He really does have our best in mind? Mm. And it's so easy to trust ourselves. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best marriage verses I've ever. It's not even a marriage verse, but the verse that helps my marriage is First Timothy one fifteen, mm. where Paul says he is the chief sinner. Now, Paul isn't saying like, I've done more sin than anyone else or less sin. He's not comparing. He's really saying, I know the the wickedness of my heart. And if I can come into marriage or live out in my married life, believing the fact that the biggest problem in my marriage is me, mm-hmm. it's not Kristen, it's not you know anyone else, it's me, mm-hmm. that that just sets a posture that says, I'm going to be willing to work on myself, whether it's mm-hmm. a sin, sexual sin struggle or Mm-hmm. you know, overeating and or mm-hmm. overspending, if it's uh, addiction to anything mm-hmm. that I'm going to, and and not comparing and saying, my wife is the bigger problem. I'm going to say I'm the biggest problem and I'm going to work on me. And I'm going to trust that the same God who works on me mm-hmm. is also going to work on my spouse. Instead mm-hmm. of me trying to fix them, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that God is going to be the one who's going to do that work. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Cause I was going to say, what can Wes do? No, I'm just, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love that because I always feel like when I say, like, I think that I have a lot of growing to do, I feel like the ice melts, you know, that we can get back on like an actual game board now versus me just accusing or criticizing. So I just want everybody to really drink that in that you said, come in with some humility, obviously don't let somebody abuse you, but come in with some humility about your own stuff. Enneagram helps with that, obviously, but uh, you know, you know it with or without the Enneagram many times what your vices are. And yet, like you said, the beauty of it is there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So we're not condemning or shaming, just knowing yourself, working on it, opening up your window of tolerance so that you have the right self-care so that you can get some lift off. And remembering volunteerism is better than self-care, but you need a bit of both. Um, what can you tell us when we're in that space of, because I want to make sure I ask this also before we wrap up, that um, when couples are trying to get this closeness, they're trying to have these crucial conversations, um, and even especially around the prayers, what would you say when couples start to get manipulative? together with their mm. prayer life. I feel like that happens a lot. Uh, you know, even today, one of my clients wants to leave. The other one wants to pray with me because they might feel like, you know, I don't want to be prayed over and have you literally P-R-E-Y pray on me. Right. So right. how can we work on that when we have that desire to kind of, you know, move our spouse in our direction through prayer? Yeah, so good. Well, I'll give you two two sides of it. So one is on the pre-married side where I think if a couple is praying together and you use your prayers to manipulate them, to make them think that you're more spiritual than you really are. And so, you know, you know the script, you know the right words to say, and you're not really praying to God. You're praying to impress your significant other. Mm. And uh, it's just so concerning if that's the case of just where your motive is. And so checking your motive on why you're praying is it to impress them or is it really to seek the God of the heavens together? Mm. And then for couples who are married, when, when it's a manipulative prayer, I, I heard somebody say this a long time ago. I think it's really helpful is when you pray with your spouse, you're not praying at them, you're praying with them. And so that means like an example is, you know, God, I pray that you would, then you would encourage Kristen to uh, serve me more in the home or to make better <laughs> food or to, to, you know, to want to have sex with me more often. Like right. that's a manipulative prayer, right? right? That then becomes, uh, we're not really seeking God together. I'm just trying to get what I want. Yeah. And, uh, and it's prideful and it's selfish, mm -hmm. you know, and it's Philippians two: do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, you consider others more important than yourselves. Um, it's, uh, and when we're prideful, when we just think about ourselves, it's, we know God opposes the proud, but shows grace or mm. gives favor to the humble. Yeah. And so what, what's the posture of my heart? Am I trying to get them to do something that I want them to do? And you know, instead, I just love the, the prayer of God, whatever you want to do in us, and it's so hard to pray, but whatever you want to do in my life, my spouse's life, our mm. marriage, God, would you help us to trust you in that? And there's no manipulation. We're just trying to seek. And there's no magic words to say, but we're just trying to seek God together. Mm. And I'm not trying to use my words to manipulate my spouse to do something I want them to do. Mm. That's really good. So even checking within yourself, 
And also letting your spouse probably also let you know, hey, how did you feel about that prayer? And and yes. really just noticing, is there an overlay of selfishness? But I love how you reminded us of these verses to equip us to come in with some humility and then also uh, without that selfishness. So thank you, because we know we're important. We know God loves us. But when we're trying to join in marriage, we have to marry for the purposes, not just of what they're going to do for me, but what God's going to do through right. us. So Facts. thanks for reminding us just to be vessels willing to to be open to what God is doing versus that. So thank you. That just helps. Yes, it's good. Is there anything you'd add to that one on the manipulation one? I think that's such a good question of like, what does that look like? Do you see couples doing that? And what, what would you add to that? I would just say I have experienced it personally with Wes and I both. You know, yeah. I would just let people know you're not alone if you've seen that or done that. Um, so I think it's something that, I'm still learning because I think that it's hard to just come out of yourself totally and be completely neutral. Um, so it's a matter of, you know, I try to, you know, allow some of my laments to be personal with God uh, versus, you know, giving all my complaints directly to Wes. Sometimes I have more than are needed. Um, and I have a four week cycle as female. So sometimes I have laments. Yeah. I don't even want Wes to hear. They're not relevant to that day together. But I think that praying yeah. individually would be what I would add for that. And then coming in with your spouse to pray uh, in ways that will encourage you both in the faith and in your day. So loving prayers. Um, yes, go deep, but don't be at trying to turn their head or, you know, hurt them and say mean things about them. Like you said, like, you know, help them to be nicer. Like, it's just not going to work. Right. <laughs> yes, that's so good. such a great answer. I love what you said in the beginning, too, of like, it's not I've done that and I know I have as well. And so even just owning that of, yes. yeah, it's not just a theoretical problem for those people. It's something that's been a challenge <laughs> in my own life. Yeah, that's yeah. where I started, but you're a truth-telling yes. type three, so I had to go there. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. It's good. Thank yeah. you. This has been such a joy, and we all need this. And so, like I said, the prayer book, we've been loving. Um, tell us about where we can find all the books for those people in our lives or ourselves if we need them. Yeah, so definitely, you know, wherever books are sold. So Amazon, they're both from oh. Baker Books, which, Krista, you are with as well, of course, our great publisher, Baker. Uh, so you can get them at, at Baker and then my website, I have a, you know, scottkadersha.com. There's no other Scott Kadersha on the planet that I know oh. of. So I get my own URL, awesome. uh, but it would make that they're, they're both, I mean, I hope they're both helpful, but gift book and, and like you said, Krista, what you can for seriously dating and engaged couples, but any couple can go through it. And so if you are wanting to grow in pursuing Jesus together. And they're, they're not all marriage prayers. They really are yeah. prayers to help us become more like Jesus. Yeah. You know, that would be become more like Christ and my significant other would, and then our marriage would be marked by that Christ-like attribute. Mm. And so it'd be a, you know, a great book for, as a gift or, you know, or, or something for you to go through together with your spouse. Yeah. That's a great reminder. So Good. Thank you, Scott, so much. And they are everywhere books are sold and Amazon has them back. <laughs> so they got them back now. They're in stock. Yes. So yes. cool. Well, thank you so much. You also have a great podcast if you want to tell people about that real quick. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I've told that. It's it's almost a year old. So I think I would, should be able to talk about it more. Yes. Uh, and thank you for, you know, sometimes I think people are so competitive and like if I have one, I'm not going to talk about somebody else's. So thanks just for being so open-handed with that even Krista. So yeah, it's called the more than roommates podcast. 
past. And we started in January of, of 2023 and um, really fun. So it's me and two co-hosts. Sometimes we do interviews, yeah. uh, but just really helping couples to be more intentional to take the next step to grow in their marriage. Mm, that is so cool. We need that. Thank you, Scott. And I'm so glad you came today. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes. Okay. Well, I hope you guys are having a great Christmas. Like I said, I hope you truly embrace both the lament and the joy that you know how to co-suffer, that you know how to lift up and even lift up prayers of gratitude for all the good you have experienced this year. And make sure that you grab Scott's book. It's in the show notes. Get in touch with him. His wonderful podcast, More Than Roommates, that he co-hosts. He is just doing beautiful things that are going to be such lifesavers for you and your marriage. Also, don't forget to check out the Jesus Calling podcast this December 28th. I'm so grateful I get to be a guest along with the wonderful Gottliers that came on the podcast, Bill and Kristen. So looking forward to seeing you there. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.